Hello. You might not remember us. It's Stories of Strangeness. We've been away for a while, but now we're back. Yes. Yes. Basically, we got COVID. The entire family got COVID. Yeah, but we haven't been, like, we didn't have COVID for two months. No, (laughs) I was about to explain. We got COVID and then... Then it was Easter. Then it was Easter. And then we just kind of forgot. Yeah. It was just really (laughs) difficult to get the kind of, the inertia going again. It's been a very, very busy couple of weeks yeah. for various reasons life life got in the way a couple of weeks it's been a couple of months anyway I know. I was trying it to make has it sound been better quite than busy it is. for us but we did take a bit of a break i got a bit burnt out from the constant editing and i was just busy and stuff so yeah we took a we took a bit longer break and we we did go a bit radio silent so apologies but we're back yep and possibly badder than ever probably worse <laughs> yeah. but one of the plus points is yeah like i did all of this research all that time Ages ago, ago yeah and the way my brain works is i do the research and i love it and i know loads about it but as soon as i start thinking about something else i completely forget everything yes so this is probably going to be a surprise for me as well <laughs> i'm just going to read it out and be going really what <laughs> so basically what we're going to do as a as a bit of a we're sorry we were away for so long is we're going to bundle together a maxisode and a minisode. So Zoe's going to do the maxisode and yep. I'm going to do the minisode and you're going to get it all in one mega episode And then now. we're going to have a little nap. Yeah. And we've decided to record and come back to this on the hottest day of the year. Yeah, so, so far. Yeah. <laughs> so you might be able to hear a little bit of background noise because we have we have our patio yeah. doors open. Otherwise, we would just this would be Melt. a sweat box. It would be And awful. I might sneeze. I've got really bad hay fever. Yeah. So, and the cat's probably going to shout because, you know, that's uh, what she does. So just the, the, the kind of regular, you know, awful production values that we're known for. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, I need a drink. It's too early for drinking, though, because we're doing it in the middle of the day. Yeah, we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you might be able to hear cars and slamming doors and stuff. But anyway, enough of all that. Let's get on with it. Shall I? So, yeah, this is episode 46 of Stories of Strangeness. And it's a Zoe episode. It is. So before I get into the story, this is actually an episode that is dedicated to our lovely friends, Becky and Tom. Mm. And Becky messaged me and was like, have you heard of this? You have to have heard of it. Tom hasn't heard of it. And I don't think you'd heard of it either. I literally don't remember what you're doing. So <laughs> Exactly. So I'm doing Jeff the Mongoose. Do you remember? It Jeff- rings a bell. Jeff the Mongoose. So yeah, apparently Tom didn't believe it was a real thing. It is. Right. Or he is. Yeah. They is. They, they are. He's a bee. So I'm going to explain it all to you and, and see what you think. Lovely. Okay. In the early 1930s, the British newspapers began covering a very strange story. The Irving family from the Isle of Man were making some very odd claims and no one really knew what to make of it. Mm. I do like your... Mm, I will take that into consideration. Yes, I I will Mm. muse on this further and get back to you. Indeed. In 1931, James, known as Jim, and Margaret Irving, 58 and 54 respectively, not sure why their age is important, but I've put it in there. I don't know how to say her name, I never actually... What is it? The daughter's name, Voiry. V-O-I-R-R-E-Y. From the Isle of Man? French, are they? Not ever so. I mean, they might you be. Don't know. They might have French descendants. I don't know. Voiry. 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 
Vary. Vary. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm going to call her Voiry. Yeah. Because I'm from the Fens and that's how it sounds. Voiry. 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 Jim. Margaret. Margaret. <laughs> Put the kettle on, Margaret. Ooh, let's have a nice cup of tea. <laughs> oh, in it. Right. Okay, let's go again. Yeah. In 1931, James and... No, Bollocks and Bass. Bass? I can't even say arse right. <laughs> Bollocks and Bass. Um, it's the bit between the arse and the bollocks, isn't it? Mm. Oh, fuck. So out of practice. Actually concentrating. In 1931, James, known as Jim, and his wife Margaret Irving, and their 13-year-old daughter, Voiry, lived in a farmhouse near the small village of Dolby, on the Isle of Man. I'm sorry for the weird pauses, but obviously it's been a while since I wrote this, so my flow is not there. <laughs> Life was hard for them. They had moved there after Jim's previous business had failed. The house had no electricity and no running water. In September of 1931, the family began to experience things in their home. At first, the disturbance was a tap, tap, tap with little scratching sounds in the walls, which could have easily have been rats, but it soon developed into hissing and spitting, and even a baby crying, or children singing. Soon, the entity living within their walls made itself known. It began to speak. It introduced itself as Jeff. Jeff told them, I was born near Delhi, India, on June the 7th, 1852. I have been shot at by Indians. I am a marsh mongoose. So today I'm telling you about Jeff the Mongoose, also known as the Dalby Spook. Jeff referred to himself as an extra clever mongoose, an earthbound spirit, and a ghost in the form of a weasel. I know. Um, he would often converse with the family, but it was only Voiry who claimed to have actually seen him. She described him as being the size of a small rat with yellowish fur and a big bushy tail. But Jeff also claimed to be a shapeshifter who could also become invisible. He told the family he could speak French, German, Yiddish, Spanish, Flemish, and Hebrew, as well as English. Definitely a clever mongoose. Indeed. Jeff couldn't really settle on what he actually was. On one occasion, he told the family, I am not a spirit. I am a little, extra, extra clever mongoose. But on another occasion, he said, I am a ghost in the form of a mongoose, and I shall haunt you with weird noises and clanking chains. Hmm. He was also quoted as saying, I am a freak. I have hands, and I have feet. And if you saw me, you would faint. You'd be petrified, mummified, and turned into stone or a pillar of salt. Except that Vori saw him and nothing like that happened to her. Indeed, but maybe that wasn't his true form. Hmm. I'll split the atom. I am the fifth dimension. I am the eighth wonder of the world. He always seemed to have a lot to say. Hmm, bit self-aggrandizing. Yes, indeed. There was an occasion in 1932 that Jim noticed a large orange cat on his property. He described it as being striped like a tiger. Realising that this wasn't an ordinary cat, Jim did what most folks did in those days and grabbed his gun and he followed it all the way out into a field. But as he followed it round a corner, it disappeared. Later, Jim told Margaret what he had seen. 
The cat was a little ahead of me, but easily within range, and it turned through an open gateway into a grass field. I was there a few seconds behind and fully expected to see the cat, but no cat could be seen. Look as I liked, the field was level and there was not a bush or any roughness where he could have hidden. And the hedges were all earth and sod hedges, as they are called here. I detailed my experience to my wife on her return that night. Then Jeff called out, It was me you saw, Jim. This was one of the very few times that Jeff was visible to anyone but Voiry. Jeff was an interesting house guest. He supposedly guarded the house and the family, letting them know when people or dogs got too close. He would also ensure that their fires were put out at night and that the family were woken up if they overslept. The family left out food for Jeff. He had a saucer that was suspended from the ceiling. They left biscuits, chocolate and fruit out for him and he would take the food when no one else was watching. Jeff would often travel with the family when they went to market. He would talk to them from behind the hedge as they went. News spread and people couldn't seem to get enough of this talkative little creature. Journalists visited the aisle, looking for Jeff and wanting to talk to the family. Several people, both locals and visitors, claimed to have heard him, and two said they actually saw him. Jeff's first appearance in the mainland newspapers was an article in the Daily Dispatch of Manchester in 1932. The reporter wrote, Had I heard a weasel speak? I do not know. But I do know that I have heard today a voice which I should never have imagined could issue from a human throat. That the people who claim it was the voice of the strange weasel seem sane, honest and reasonable folk, and not likely to indulge in a difficult, long, drawn-out and unprofitable practical joke to make themselves the talk of the world. And that others have had the same experience as myself. It wasn't long before folks wanted more. They wanted proof. In 1935, Harry Price, as you may remember, and Richard S. Lambert visited the family to find that proof. Fur was sent for testing, but was found to be that of the Irving's dog, Mona. Paw prints were sent to the Natural History Museum, along with bite marks, but they didn't seem to match any known animal, but they could have been made by a dog. None of the marks were made by a mongoose. It was noted during this visit that the walls of the farmhouse had a lot of crawl space which, and I quote, makes the whole house one great speaking tube with walls like soundboards. By speaking into one of the many apertures in the panels, it was possible to convey a voice to various parts of the house. Harry Price later wrote a book called The Haunting of Cashin's Gap. He himself wouldn't say he believed the tale of Jeff the Mongoose, as he didn't hear or see him himself, but he did say he could see no reason for the family to lie. So who or what was Jeff? As you can imagine, there are many theories. It was widely believed that it was the daughter who had brought the character of Jeff to life and that she was a highly skilled ventriloquist. Because mm. again, that was popular at the time. I'm guessing you might be seeing similarities between this and the Bell Witch. Yeah. Like, a lot, yeah. which is something I picked up on when I was doing my research. I vaguely remember that. Anyway, I shall continue, and we can touch on that again in a bit. Another researcher from the International Institute for Psychical Research, Nandor Fodor, 
modern wow. name, believed that Jeff was a split-off part of Jim Irving's personality. Some investigators did believe it was a ghost or a poltergeist. Apparently, there is a small chance it could have been a mongoose, as a neighbouring farm introduced them as control for the rabbit population. All well and good, but they don't normally talk. Exactly. Yeah. It could have been a mongoose. What are you talking about? It could have been a bloody mongoose. Apparently, they used them to, you know, go after rabbits and clear rabbits, but again... Fine. None of them talk. I know, but what if she was a ventriloquist and she just got bored? I mean, Christ, she's been shipped out to the Isle of Ban. She's 13. Okay. I mean, what did you do when you were 13, love? You were probably up the pub getting drunk, weren't you? No, no, that was when I was 14. Okay, so you were prepping. Yeah. Combing your beard. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, by the late 1930s, Jeff's visits were less frequent. And when Jim died in 1944, both Margaret and Vorey left the farm and moved to the mainland. They sold the farm to an actor called Leslie Graham. I'm not familiar with his work. Kind of rings a bell, but I don't know if I'm just thinking that. You might be thinking of Leslie Grantham that's Dirty Den. No? No. Okay. He once went into a shop I worked at, though. Did he? Yeah, but I wasn't there that day. Oh, that's a pity. Anyway. Nice story. Yeah, good anecdote. (laughs) Anyway, so, (laughs) this is Leslie Graham... In 1947, trapped and killed an animal he could not identify as neither ferret, stoat, nor weasel. Mongoose. It seemed like the country life wasn't for him anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And he left the farm a few years later, but the farmhouse was demolished. Yeah, well, all right. Fair enough. I mean, that's a bit extreme. (laughs) I know, right. It's It's not like it was a giant spider. I feel feel like moving to the country. Actually, no. Oh, there's there's a bit (laughs) of a Knock it down. I don't know what this animal is. Probably a badger, you know. (laughs) He's like, what is this weird stripy creature? Oh, no, I don't like it. Knock the whole thing down. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But anyway, when interviewed in 1970, Boyery still held that the story of Jeff the Mongoose lived in her home, but she also said she wished that he'd left them alone. She died in 2005 and never changed her story. Mm. So just some random notes and other bits that I've written down here. Yeah. Um, the mongoose Jeff claimed to be and the description that Voiri described yeah. do not match at all. Right. An Indian mongoose is much larger than a rat and doesn't have a fluffy tail. His quotes, though, I've got more and they're amazing. Okay. I am not evil. I could be if I wanted. <laughs> you don't know what damage or harm I could do if I was roused. I could kill you all, <laughs> but I won't. Oh, well, that's... Cheers, mate. That's very generous of you, Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> if you knew what I know, you'd know a hell of a lot. Uh, okay. If you are kind to me, I will bring you good luck. If you are not kind, I shall kill all your poultry. Oh. I can get them wherever you put them. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, be nice or I'll kill your chickens. Yeah. Um, maybe it was a fox. A really skinny... Albino fox. Still doesn't quite explain the whole talking Talking. thing, really. That's that's the one real problem we've got with identifying what animal he is. They still shouldn't be able to talk. Okay, here we go. It's it's very judgmental. Mm. I have been to nicer homes than this. Carpets, piano, satin (laughs) covers on polished tables. I am going back there. Ha ha ha. Ah. Well, that's nice. So he turns up, tells you to be nice to him, and then insults you and your home. Well, Jim, 
What about some grubbo? <laughs> what, you want a bit of chocolate in your little dish? Hmm? Here we go. I like I like Captain Dennis. Who the bloody hell's Captain Dennis? I've no idea. Don't ask me. Probably missed him out. It's your story. He was just a. He must have just random bystander. Yeah, some random bloke that came round to have a look. I think. I like Captain Dennis, but not Harry Price. He's the man who put the kibosh on the spirits. Oh, this one's an interesting one. Nuts. Put a sock in it. Chew Coke. I'm guessing he doesn't mean <laughs> Coke Coke. He means more mm. like leftover in the fireplace Coke. From maybe. Burning. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Although, you know, the 30s, you used to get prescribed Coke for depression and stuff. So who knows? Oh, God, yeah. I thought that was opium. Well, it's all sorts. Who knows? They were all off the tits back then, weren't they? Well, yeah. Freud was on Coke. Literally wrote about it at one point. Amazing. Okay, what have we got here? I have three attractions. Mm. I follow Voiry, Mam gives me food, and Jim answers my questions. I have three spirits, and their names are Foe, Faith, and Truth. And uh, one of my favourites, put the bloody gramophone on! Although they didn't have electricity, so it must have been a wind-up one. Yeah. Crank, crank, crank. But yeah, that's, that's, that's what I've got. Wow. He's a... He's a geezer. So there are actually photos, or supposed photos, right. of random... Of random Jeff sightings. Hairy, hairy bits hung up on places. Furry, <laughs> that furry sounds bits. terrible. <laughs> and um, I think there's a picture from when uh, old uh, Leslie Graham thought he'd um, shot him. He's like, right. know, here, here's my thing here's, I shot. I don't yeah. know what it is. Could have been anything. Could have been anything, yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, not anything. Because I, I don't think... I was going to say, I don't think mongoose... Uh, mongoose, mongooses. I don't know. What's the plural of a mongoose? Mong- Mon- Mongai? Mon- Mongoose Mon- is. I don't know. Uh, mongoose. Mon- Mongopodes. Mongopies? Mongopie. Yeah, that must be it. That's Mongopie. It. We're, going, we're, with we're that. going with that. We're yeah, going with that. That's, that's the new official plural term for mongoose is mongopie. But they're not native to this country. They are definitely not. But that's you said one of the farms introduced, introduced. them. So maybe again, it was a hybrid. Even if that is the mongoose case. Mongoose and a rat, a mouse. I don't think mong- mongopie no. and rats can no, I know. interbreed, but all right, whatever. But even, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. We could we could absolutely positively identify it as a mongoose from a photo, and that still doesn't explain how it could bloody talk. But also, it seemed very loquacious. Ooh. And used some words that I wouldn't have expected a 13-year-old girl to come out with. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I, I kind of get the feeling that people used to speak better in, in, in the old <laughs> What, you mean days. they don't speak like well, what I like, do? <laughs> it's like even if you, you watch some cowboy movies and they come out with some really interesting verbiage. But, you know, these days it's just, I want that, that's some food, stuff me, it in my give head. Me that. Yeah, and people don't tend to be verbose anymore. Which I think You're is bringing a crime out all of the shame. long words to to prove a point, aren't you? I'm using long words because they are the perfect word for the situation, which is why you oh, should maybe. learn a lot about the language that is your mother tongue, because that's the way you express yourself to I the know. world. Yes, absolutely. And if you don't learn a good amount of words, you are limited to saying pie and floor and toilet. What would you say <laughs> instead of pie, floor, and toilet? Flan. <laughs> Pie's got a top on it. All right, whatever. All right, then topped flan. <laughs> <laughs> a pastry topped flan. Um, floor. What would I say in fl- instead of floor? Parquet. That's a t- 
type of flooring, dearest? Well, in that situation, it would work then, wouldn't it? And convenience. Do you mean a public <laughs> convenience? You're a public inconvenience. <laughs> I am on occasion. But it's uh, lavatory, darling. Lavatory, water closet. Water closet. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to go to the water closet. I always just imagine that you there's it's like just, a cupboard and you open it and just, just a, a deluge. Yeah. Yeah. I always just get really confused with myself. The water closet. I'm like, what, what a place where you store your water? Is it just full of like jars actually, or something? It actually took me a long time to understand that when toilets had WC on them, that's what it yeah. stood for, water closet. I, it's like, why? Why? It, it kind of makes sense though. It's like a closet where you go and there is water. Which most of your other cupboards don't have water. I, I suppose. In. So yeah, I, it kind of makes sense. But a thirteen-year-old ventriloquist that learnt this skill on the Isle of Man before the internet and YouTube—I mean, it's not impossible. But it was very big at that time because it, that's yeah. why Harry Price was about because a lot of people were using it for tricks. Which is fine, but you know, even then. If you're living on a remote farm... She, they weren't initially, though, were they? They they moved there because oh, okay. his business failed. They were in the mainland, and apparently they were And his business not. was making ventriloquist dummies. <laughs> <gasps> what if it was? Oh, my goodness. Honestly, I think I know. I, I, I think I researched yeah. what, what he was his business was, but it was like not really important to the story. No. It could have been. He made string. My brain. That was actually a really big thing, though. I know mine. it was, yeah. Oh, my goodness. It yeah. revolutionised all sorts of things, like yeah. wrapping up presents Suddenly and stuff. Suddenly you could tie things together and yeah. walk off and they wouldn't fall over as much. Instead of just like licking them and pushing them together and just hoping for the best. Second only to the Industrial Revolution and the Renaissance was the Twine Revolution. Hey, the, the <laughs> progression of thread and fabric has changed the course of history. And also, don't forget, it gave cats something to play with. Indeed. Yeah. That was the whole point of it. Yeah. Our whole history. <laughs> Our whole history has been pleasing cats. We invented thread. Ours is currently asleep on our sofa and she has this wonderful thing where if we put an uncomfortable object on the sofa, like say... A box. A Lego a box, for example, she will then rest her head on it, no matter how uncomfortable it is. There's pillows all over the place, yeah. but no, no, that angular she, thing. She likes the angular box, weirdo. She could have been... Eventually, it's not like she's going to sit there watching, you know, TikTok and YouTube, is it? No, that's what I said. So she's like, "What can I? What can I do? What can I do to I'm fill, talk to myself? To fill these countless I'm gonna, hours I found of a potato. boredom and tedium? I'm going to make it into my friends. And then <laughs> that the potato- was that was you as a kid. That was you as a kid on the farm. And and <laughs> then she told it said it was a mongoose. <laughs> furry potato. Furry potato. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. Can you talk without moving your lips? You've got no. a, you've got a beard, so you can all. You can <laughs> so hide. that I, I'm an instant ventriloquist. All you need well, no, is a beard. You've got a bit more to hide your mouth, haven't you? Well, I suppose actually, I no, suppose, it moves yeah. a bit more. Yeah, that's know. it. Maybe it yeah. gives it away. I don't know. No, I've tried and I'm awful at it. I can say bottle of beer. Yeah, <laughs> everyone can say that. Yeah, bottle bottle of beer is ridiculously hard um, to say as a ventriloquist, and fair play to those that can do it. It's but, it's because you need a buzz sound, but you see. An almost utterly useless skill unless you get into entertainment. And you don't see very many ventriloquist acts anymore. There's like oh, Jeff no. Dunham, who is quite a kind of what, blue what was comedian. That, that weird... I'm showing my age now, blue comedian. The, um, All comedians swear now. So it's Emu. Rod Hull and Rod Emu. Hull, oh, that Emu. was... For those who aren't Gosh, English born and bred, old. there was a children's <laughs> entertainer and... 
It's always kind of amazed me that he wasn't one of the ones that was pegged as oh, don't, being it, there's still time. horrifically awful. There isn't. I mean, it would have come out by now, I think. Do you reckon? I don't know. But yeah, he, he had a, an emu that Puppet. was, it was quite a large one, wasn't it? Because it was. basically it was its like neck was pretty much his entire his arm, arm his wasn't it? Arm, and its yeah. head was his hand. And it, it this was the genius of Rod Hull and Emu, though. Emu never spoke. He John. wasn't technically a ventriloquist. He was a puppeteer. Oh no! What was the one with the little green, the green bird? Was that like, was Keith fly. Harris and Orville. Oh yeah, Keith Harris. And then there was the, the monkey. Spit what was the, the monkey dog? called? Oh, spit the dog. That was another amazing ventriloquist act where. God, there he, was quite a few ventriloquists when we were young. Yeah, he had a, a. I can't remember the name of the guy that did spit the dog now off the top of my head, but he had a little kind of wiry head terrier type thing. Yeah. And literally, the only thing it did was spit was spit Peter people and just go. Yeah. And, th- and that was it. It didn't speak. It didn't do anything so else. It just spat at people. And oh, he no, had an he... entire TV career made out of that. The standards in the 70s were so much lower than they, they really are now. They really were, weren't they? Yeah, you had one guy with an emu that basically just molested people. people. Yeah, because yeah. he literally just used to bite their faces, didn't he? And then, he? you know, every now and again, even as a kid, you'd be sitting there going, he's just grabbing people with his hand. Yeah. If that costume puppet wasn't there, he'd be locked up. He was a yeah. nutter. But he had several TV series. Different ones, yeah. Because there was the Pink Windmill one. There was Roddle and Emu, this, that, and the other. And and obviously that gave rise to your favourite character. <gasps> Grotbags! Which was a, a lady who played a green witch. and had she was a, amazing. She had a, another guy that was a, an alligator. Or, well, a croc, wasn't he? He was called Croc. And, yeah, he was just a dude in a costume. But, yeah, the ventriloquists in the 70s were, were a lot bigger than they are now. But terrible. Like le- at least two of them didn't talk at all. So what, in, what was the what was the monkey called? called? I can't remember what the monkey was called. But can they cuddles? Be was it not cuddles yes, the monkey? It was cuddles and the he monkey. was he was really like he awful. was awful. He was, he was awful. like really nasty. And that was just yeah. Let, let's let this guy on with this monkey puppet where it's like you know he didn't it didn't swear but it was it, it was, was pretty awful. Close to the line. Yeah. Bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. God, no, just there's this whole set yeah. like memories that have just disappeared, have just gone crazy back in my brain. Like, oh, yeah. God, the stuff we used to watch was. Anyway, we digressed, love, yes. a lot. Yeah, well, we're supposed to. This is what we, we do. Yeah. This, this is the, the section to digress, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. The digression section. I don't actually call it that, but yeah. So, anyway, I want to kind of like steer us back towards. We're, we're getting away. Jeff the Mongo. To, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you think there was something there? Or do you think... Okay, so the choices are hmm. it was some kind of weird spirit entity, which you'll probably just say no to because that's generally the way you bend. Okay. Do you think it was the daughter? Do you think it was the father? Do you think someone was playing a trick on him? Hmm. Well, that's interesting because I, I didn't really think about the father at first, but now you say it, it could have been something he invented to amuse his daughter who Possibly. had been relocated from wherever they were to the Isle of Man, which isn't, you know, massively That's populated. That's an interesting concept, actually. And in the, the you know, there were a f- it was a farm, wasn't it? There yeah, were, or farmhouse. near a farm, anyway. So you know, it was probably quite remote. Oh, it was a remote farmhouse. farmhouse. There was no electricity, no running, no water. no running water. Which you know, it was the thirties, so that wasn't. Yeah. You know, but still, it would. I'm guessing they had a well. But there was and- probably bog all to do except go outside and look at stuff. Yeah. Which you know, if if you're interested in that sort of stuff, it, it can it be absolutely said... fascinating. But it could have been just something he invented to make her happy. So it was in September that they started hearing the noises. So just as the weather was getting colder, where she wouldn't be able to go out and play as much. Interesting, yeah. 
So it's like, oh, what's that noise? But that also applies if it was her as well, because it's like it started in September when she'd been out all summer playing in the fields or whatever. And now, and now it's getting a do. bit colder and it's getting a bit darker and we don't want you outside. Although back then, they probably didn't give her monkeys. I saw an interesting thing online the other day that was showing they'd interviewed an entire family from a great-grandfather down to the youngest child. Yeah. So it's four generations. And they all lived, I think it was in Sheffield, and they mapped out the area they were allowed to go to as kids on their own. Wow. And the great-granddad had about a a six-mile radius, so 12 miles diameter from his home. Where he could go and like he, yeah, he walked down to the, down the, to the here, he, to see my friend here, yeah he would walk down to a local lake to go fishing and yeah. walk back and blah blah blah, and with each successive generation it got smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where the the kid who was you know young now yeah was allowed to go down to the end of his street and back and no further yeah and it just goes to show how kind of fearful we've become. Which, you know, with some good cause, don't get me wrong, you know, people do disappear and and awful things happen. But it's like, you know, back in those days, they were allowed to just wander around on their own and stuff. They didn't have a mobile phone. So so it was like, are you going out to play for the day? Yeah, I'll see you at tea time. I mean, that that was was like that. Him and his mates would go down the pits all the time. Yeah. And just, you know... Just play all over like they'd go all the like their 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 thing was the whole of Ely. Yeah, they could have been anywhere. Yeah, and it was just a case of as long as you're home for tea, you're good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to go a good couple of miles from my house at least. Thing is, like to go to playing playing fields. And I grew up in the middle of nowhere, and stuff. so yeah. I we had a particular point we were allowed to walk down on the farm road, but there was literally one road I could walk down. We yeah. weren't allowed onto the main road because it was literally like a main. Yeah, yeah. Road out in the middle of nowhere. So there's kind of nothing thing. to actually walk to the train station. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. There's no trains. Yeah. We'd sometimes walk up to like a different river. I mean, it there was maybe about two miles to the to the river, and we used to walk down there occasionally. But we'd say we're going down to the river. We're taking a picnic, mm. and then we'd just wander. And it'd take you know we'd do like a sort of two three hour round like re- big walk around the farm. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'd 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 walk about a mile to get to the there was a, a school. Yeah. But you could get onto the playing field when it was closed. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we'd we'd go and go get onto the playing field and there was like a little hill, so we'd ride our bikes down the little hill and stuff and whatever. But that was that was a good mile away. Well they're saying that like I'd go like depending on when it was, because there was only other kids in the same area for a few years. Mm. And like I'd get on my little bike and cycle around to their house and and then from there, we'd just run across fields and get chased by farmers, mm. like jump over ditches and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, when I when I when we moved out of the town, we moved into a little rural Lincolnshire village, and yeah, the, pretty much the whole village was my my play place. You know, I just I could go anywhere. It was fine. Then, I don't know how big the Isle of Man is. It's not very big, is it? It's not huge. No, I have been. But I was quite young when I went. Yeah. I don't really remember a huge amount other than sitting on a beach in a bucket hat. That was about it, really. Is, have we got pictures of you doing that? There are, yeah, there was a f- couple of pictures of me on the Isle of Man with, with is. Mum and Auntie Pat. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was six, seven, maybe, yeah. something like that. So, yeah, 40 years ago. I think I remember the bucket hat. 
Yeah. So before your time. I remember the bucket hat because it was a football team bucket hat and I haven't liked football since I was... Six. Perhaps, yeah, seven or eight, yeah. Since that holiday. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It could have could have been either of them. I'm not I'm not leaning towards a spirit at the moment because no. I just think it's 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 very odd and bizarre. But I tell you one thing it did remind me of was the Sandown Clown. Oh, okay. I don't know why, but there were just some of the weirdness kind of had that same it did vibe. Have, yeah, that slightly kind of slightly off. Because didn't he have like a bit of a sing songy voice and stuff? He did do a bit of a sing song. If yeah. you don't know Sam the Sandown Clown, and um, we covered him in one of our. Was it one of our Patreon episodes? I think so, yeah. Um, I think so. Yeah, he, he was a, look it up. a weird dude. Yeah. Very weird. I'm not sure if he was a clown, if he was an, an escaped, alien, a ghost. An escaped mental patient. Yeah, at, could at have the been time, they were like not very sure. Odd. Very, 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 very strange odd. story. I mean, I'll, in terms of the spirit thing, I'll, I'd never say never because there is, there is more out there than we know about. I, don't mean, think, I don't think it's alien doesn't give off that kind of alien vibe because no but again you know we shapeshifter maybe we've, we've mentioned that you know this this stuff could all be kind of intertwined because things like skinwalker ranch it's supposed to be kind of a very trickster type entity and that 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 has a is a kind of a long running thread a lot of these things seem to be kind of trickstery just like to mess with people you know can seemingly appear and disappear at will whatever true, true so who's to say it isn't either the same type of thing or the same thing just appearing in different places at different times that maybe doesn't experience time the way we do or i don't know i don't know there's there's a million reasons it could be anything but okay yeah i would i wouldn't veer towards a spirit but yeah some kind of mischievous entity i guess maybe could be yeah you know this whole well, you know, you can't look at me or you'll turn into a pillar of salt. Although at least two or three people claim to have seen it. Yeah. And, and also, none of them weirdly, had any I feel adverse like effects that were reported. By saying you're going to turn into stone or a pillar of salt, that's like two kind of vaguely religious references. The pillar of salt definitely is because that was Lot's wife, wasn't it? Yeah. She but then you've got like the, the turning into stone. That's what, I say religious, but like, okay mythical belief of like medusa yeah the, the gorgons turn, yeah, and stuff yeah would turn you to stone yeah so they're or kind the of things that yeah that that have been said before so it's, mm. it does give the impression of someone who has knowledge not yeah. just messing around yeah or I somebody like, that has read up on mythology you know again but i feel like if he claimed to speak all those languages i would have been right i'm i'm finding these people they're going to come in and they're going to test you. Yeah. We're going to ask you questions. Yeah, we're going to find somebody who speaks... Or sling your hook. Sanskrit or Hindi or whatever it was and... Yeah. Yiddish and... Yiddish, yeah. And Spanish and... Yeah, all those. And uh, there wasn't a lot of detail about how Harry Price tested him. Yeah. And apparently didn't see him or... Yeah. Did or he say he didn't hear him? Yeah, because he... he so, didn't do anything by the sound of things because if you you can't test what isn't there exactly which to be fair fair play he didn't like make anything up (laughs) or make it worse yeah i suppose so becky and tom tom and becky our dearest friends i am probably more confused than when i started and didn't remember half of that yeah (laughs) so um that's that's what i found and i hope it was vaguely enjoyable (laughs) And I'm sorry, I'm so lightheaded because it's so, so bloody warm. Yeah. I'm going to just have a look and see what the temperature actually is. It says it's 28 degrees 28. at the moment. Yeah. It's going to be 30 in a bit. 
My limit's 24, otherwise I'm delirious. <laughs> so quite quite frankly. So you're lucky we were You're lucky I can that. speak. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to start my minisode now. So I'm going to talk to you about Universe 25. Do you remember me telling you about this? I remember that I should remember that you started talking to me about this, but I can't remember <laughs> anything fine. that you said. That's Yay. Fine. So, over the last few hundred years, the human population of Earth has seen an increase, taking us from an estimated 1 billion in 1804 to 7 billion in 2017. Throughout this time, concerns have been raised that our numbers may outgrow our ability to produce food, leading to widespread famine. Some, the Malthusians, even took the view that as resources ran out, the population would control itself through mass deaths until a sustainable population was reached. As it happens, advances in farming, changes in farming practices and new farming technology have given us enough food to feed 10 billion people. And it's how the food is distributed that has caused mass famines and starvation. As we use our resources and the climate crisis worsens, this could all change. But for now, we have always been able to produce more food than we need, even if we have lacked the will or ability to distribute it to those who need it. But while everyone was worried about lack of resources, one behavioural researcher in the 1970s sought to answer a different question. What happens to society if all our appetites are catered for and all our needs are met? The answer, according to his study, was an awful lot of cannibalism shortly followed by an apocalypse. John B. Calhoun set about creating a series of experiments that would essentially cater to every need of rodents, then track the effect on the population over time. The most infamous of these experiments was named, quite dramatically, Universe 25. I do not remember any of this. I was lying. Okay, good. <laughs> in this study, he took four breeding pairs of mice and placed them inside a utopia. The environment was designed to eliminate problems that would lead to mortality in the wild. They could access limitless food via 16 food hoppers accessed via tunnels, which would feed up to 25 mice at a time, as well as water bottles just above. Nesting material was provided. The weather was kept at 20 degrees centigrade or 68 Fahrenheit, which for those of you who aren't mice is the perfect mouse temperature. <laughs> The mice were chosen for their health, obtained from the National Institutes of Health Breeding Colony. Extreme precautions were taken to stop any disease from entering the universe. As well as this, no predators were present in the utopia, which sort of stands to reason. It's not often something is described as a utopia, but also there are lions there picking us all off one by one. The experiment began and as you'd expect, the mice used the time that would usually be wasted in foraging for food and shelter for having excessive amounts of sexual intercourse. About every 55 Death days... Snoo, snoo. <laughs> about every 55 days, the population doubled as the mice filled the most desirable space within the pen, where access to the food tunnels was of ease. When the population hit 620... That slowed to doubling around every 145 days as the mouse society began to hit problems. The mice split off into groups. And those that could not find a role in these groups found themselves with nowhere to go. 
In the normal course of events, in a natural ecological setting, somewhat more young survive to maturity than are necessary to replace their dying or established associates, Calhoun wrote in 1972. The excess find that no social niches emigrate. Here, the excess could not emigrate, for there was nowhere else to go. The mice that found themselves with no social role to fill, there are only so many head-mouse roles, and the utopia was in no need of a Ratatouille-esque style chef, became isolated. Males who failed withdrew physically and psychologically. They became very inactive and aggregated in large pools near the centre of the floor of the universe. From this point on, they no longer initiated interaction with their established associates, nor did their behaviour elicit attack by territorial males. Even so, they became characterised by many wounds and much scar tissue as a result of attacks by other withdrawn males. The withdrawn males would not respond during attacks, lying there immobile. Later on, they would attack others in the same pattern. The female counterparts of these isolated males withdrew as well. Some mice spent their days preening themselves, shunning mating and never engaging in fighting. Due to this, they had excellent fur coats and were dubbed, somewhat disconcertingly, the beautiful ones. The breakdown of usual mouse behaviour wasn't just limited to the outsiders. The alpha male mice became extremely aggressive, attacking others with no motivation or gain for themselves, and regularly raped both males and females. Violent encounters sometimes ended in mouse-on-mouse -mouse cannibalism. Despite or perhaps because their every need was being catered for, mothers would abandon their young or merely just forget about them entirely, leaving them to fend for themselves. The mother mice also became aggressive towards trespassers to their nests, with males that would normally fill this role banished to other parts of the utopia. This aggression spilled over and mothers would regularly kill their young. Infant mortality in some territories of the utopia reached 90%. This was all during the first phase of the downfall of the utopia. In the phrase Calhoun termed the second death, whenever young mice survived the attacks from their mothers, others would grow up around these unusual mouse behaviours. As a result, they never learned usual mice behaviours and many showed little to no interest in mating, preferring to eat and preen themselves alone. The population peaked at 2,200, short of the actual 3,000 mouse capacity of the universe and from there came the decline. Many of the mice weren't interested in breeding and retired to the upper decks of the enclosure, while others formed into violent gangs below, which would regularly attack and cannibalise other groups as well as their own. The low birth rate and high infant mortality combined with the violence, and soon the entire colony was extinct. During the mousepocalypse, food remained ample, and their every need completely met. Calhoun termed what he saw as the cause of the collapse, behavioural sink. For an animal so simple as a mouse, the most complex behaviours involve the interrelated set of courtship, maternal care, territorial defence and hierarchical intragroup and intergroup social organisation, he concluded in his study. When behaviours related to these functions fail to mature, there is no development of social organisation and no reproduction. As in the case of my study reported above, all members of the population will age and eventually die. The species will die out. He believed that the mouse experiment may also apply to humans and warned of a day where, God forbid, all our needs are met. 
For an animal so complex as man, there is no logical reason why a comparable sequence of events should not also lead to species extinction. If opportunities for role fulfilment fall far short of the demand by those capable of filling roles and having expectancies to do so, only violence and disruption of social organisation can follow. At the time, the experiment and conclusion became quite popular, resonating with people's feelings about overcrowding in urban areas leading to moral decay. However, in recent times, people have questioned whether the experiment could really be applied so simply to humans, and whether it really showed what we believed it did in the first place. The end of mouse utopia could have arisen not from density, but from excessive social interaction, medical historian Edmund Ramson said in 2008. Not all of Calhoun's rats had gone berserk, those who managed to control space led relatively normal lives. As well as this, the experiment design has been criticised for creating not an overpopulation problem, but rather a scenario where the more aggressive mice were able to control the territory and isolate everyone else. Much like with food production in the real world, it's possible that the wasn't of adequate resources, but how those resources are controlled. Do you know the uh, first few goes, the, the Matrix failed? Yeah. Because it was a utopia. Because it was a utopia. And everybody rejected it. And we rejected it. Thousands of crops were lost. Thousands of crops were lost. So right. I just want to say real quickly that that was pretty much cribbed straight from the IFL Science website, which did a great job of reporting on it. So I didn't change too much there. So thank you to IFL Science. We didn't get permission. We hope it's okay. <laughs> I love you. Fingers crossed, eh, love? Yeah. Well, you know, I'll cut it out and take it down. Um, but yeah, so that i have some things i'd like to say okay go for it okay so where i appreciate the the experiment yeah it can't be compared to humans right because like if those mice had learnt to play musical instruments crochet yeah um you know all those things that we do in our spare time to take up our spare time maybe they wouldn't have eaten each other as much well I get where you're I going. I mean, preening with that. is one thing. There's only so many times you can brush your hair before you just go, oh, screw this. I'm shaving it all off and dyeing it blue. Well, yeah, but the, the, you know, you think about how often our cat cleans herself. I know, but I don't get annoyed with my hair and go, oh, I can't do anything else with my hair. I know I'm going to go and eat the neighbours. No, but that's not the only type of preening behaviour. No, I know, I know. Go There's... on Instagram, go on TikTok. There are plenty of preeners on oh, those absolutely. social media or any social media. You know, there's always those that are like, look at me, look how great I'm doing. I've got loads of money. I've got loads of yeah. sexual partners. I've got a or... big big collection of cars, whatever. It's yeah. all preening behaviour. Yeah. And it did make me think like, oh God, these tiktokers and stuff it that's exactly what they're doing they are kind of well the rest of the world descends into madness isolating themselves and becoming the beautiful ones while the rest of the world descends into madness yeah it's the the parallels are kind of eerie and a bit creepy but it led me to an entirely new fear oh gosh what of being eaten by a mouse no so my I'm new eat, fear eaten by me no not so much. Not not the cannibalism side of things as such. But I'm quite fond of the odd conspiracy theory, as you're probably aware. Yes. And obviously most of the conspiracy theories revolve around there is a shadowy secret cabal of either government or whatever that are controlling every aspect of our lives. And, you know, 
trying to form this one world government, new world order, whatever. Yeah. And it's all shadowy and secret. And Do you think that's, they're the scientists and with the... So, kind, kind <laughs> of. But my real fear now is not what if that's true, because yeah. that's the general conspiracy theorist fear, is what if this is true? What if there is a secret group of people controlling the world, blah, blah, blah. Right. And that, you know, a lot of us live in relative poverty, if not actual poverty, Mm -hmm. because of the machinations of these people, right? Yes. Okay. My fear isn't now, what if that's true? My fear is, what if they're right to do it because otherwise this society would completely destroy itself? So they've gone through and looked at lots of different ways to organise a society and they've looked at different historical perspectives and they've looked at, you know, lots of psychological experiments and sociological experiments of how to make people live together in harmony mm-hmm. and there isn't a way to do it because if everybody's needs are met they get bored and when they get bored they turn to violence because you look at you look at a lot of go... stuff in society like even the romans the romans a lot of them lived in opulence obviously there were you know roman slaves and all the rest of it and a lot of people who didn't live in opulence but those who did and, and a lot of the population, what do they do for fun? They watch gladiators kill the crap out of each other. Yeah. Although actually, technically, apparently a lot of the gladiators didn't die. There was actually was a lot less of dying <laughs> than you see in the movies because it's more dramatic to have somebody slice somebody open. But they fought, you know, it was more kind of, I think it was more like boxing is nowadays. It was like if somebody got hurt, they got taken off and, you know, if if they lived, they lived. It was great, but otherwise they died. But it wasn't, necessarily always to the death okay but, but, but i mean back then though they they were still on like this whole kind of let's discover everything kind of vibe weren't they they because they had that purpose that was their drive because they wanted to to discover the unknown whereas now mm. we we know what the world looked like and we can just go on our little ipads and go and we can see any street in the world basically yeah so we've that's yeah, so we the novelty. We're not like jaded. Well, there's still parts of the world that we haven't explored. There's still a lot of the ocean that we don't know. Well, what's yeah, going but on still, it's like it's it, but it's not something well. that we want to do anymore because we just assume well, that it's, it's done. Not, it's not that we don't want to do it. It's that it's too expensive for anybody to do. No, I and mean like are, just you know, like you know, if you've got your iPad in front of you, you can go like Google Maps. I can look anywhere. I can do blah, blah, blah. yeah, but you don't want to because it's there. It's not a. It's not. What? If we if I feel like when you're you're not challenged. Yeah. That's when things go You stagnate. Go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, what's more of a challenge than trying to drag yourself out of poverty? Not much. Especially if the system has been put in place to oh, keep yeah. a lot of people poor. Yeah. And it has. You know, there's no two ways about it. You, you look at capitalism and it benefits only a very small handful of people who then, because of their relative wealth, have almost absolute power. You look at, look at things like lobbying. Okay, but you could lobbying argue, is okay. just bribery under no, another name. Arguing that actually this experiment is is rich people. Those mice are the rich people because they've got because they've got every every we need haven't. Met. We're yeah. the ones. We're still scrabbling and striving to get into that box because we see that they've got everything they need. But actually, do we want to be there? Because they're like, we've got we can do whatever we like. We've got enough food. We've got enough drink. Yeah. We. It turns out actually they hate everybody around them. Yeah. And um, when I wrote down the whole thing where you said, "Oh, the ones that were they removed themselves from society," yeah, I I could just 
I wondered if one of the mice made a penis-shaped spaceship and tried to rock it out of there. Um, <laughs> See, when it was the ones that kind of removed themselves from society and just pretty much did nothing. Did nothing. I was like, incels. I did think that as well. I was like... Because they, they lost interest in mating, so I was like, incels. There you go. Yeah, but they're and, and what blaming the, the lady mice for not wanting them. Probably, It's yeah. your fault for not wanting me. No, Although it's your actually, fault for, you know... I read the other day, interestingly, incel was a term that was made up by a, a, a gay woman. Oh, okay. Because she was unable to find a date and eventually was just like, I can't, I can't, I can't seem to meet anybody I like. I, I'm like involuntary celibate. Yeah. And that then became incel, but the, the, the vast unwashed of like men who blame their, you know, their dating woes on everything except themselves. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's, we've been conditioned to believe that you have to be physically attractive in order to have value. No, 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 it's not even that. We have been conditioned to believe that we can only survive if we have a partner. Yeah. And we're only going to be deemed successful if we have a family. Yeah. And that's where the problem arises. We're given this thing. this thing where, oh, if you want to be successful in life and you want to be happy, you have to have a partner. It doesn't matter if yeah. it's male, female. Which then is compounded by the, the message that, you have to be physically attractive to to get said partner to get said partner and then and they feel like you know i'm not ryan reynolds whoever so therefore i'm not physically attractive so therefore i'm not going to get a partner and actually it's more about your personality mm-hmm. it's but, the fact that you're you know seeking to play the victim almost always it's the fact that you get these people that go well, I'm a nice guy, but women don't seem to like me. And it's like, you're not a nice guy because if you look at your behaviours, generally, if a woman spurns your advances, they then get messages of hate all yeah. over the internet. And also, and just get because you're not a bad person doesn't mean you're a good person. Yeah. It just means you're a person. If somebody rejects you, you just have to go, okay, you know, also, there are people that are not my type, so I'm obviously not their type. So, okay, fair we enough. Were, Move on. Find somebody we else. We had this, like... This thing that the, the media portrayed that, you know, the beautiful people got together and, and, and the so-called ugly, I'm doing bunny ears, mm. weren't successful in love. Okay, so that's I mean, you the, wouldn't, the start you wouldn't off. be if you had bunny ears. I don't know, maybe some people like that kind of thing. Oh, God, anyway, no, no so uh, no, initially like it was like, you know, the beautiful people. Yeah. Um, but then we had this wave of, of movies and things where it was like, but ugly people can be lovely and nice too. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's almost like, oh, the geek, was- the geek boy gets the beautiful girl. But then people assume that actually if I'm a geek, maybe the beautiful girl should fall in love with me. I don't need yeah. to do anything. I just need to be... I have this expectation yeah, set that... I'm I did I'm owed this. Yeah. And this is I think this is one of the biggest problems in society today is that people think that people owed. think that oh there's this sense of entitlement and I deal with it all the time in, in my work, which I won't go into, but we do get a lot of that. Where people just think, Well, I I I deserve this. I I'm, did this, I'm owed so that this. means you know, that this blah, blah, happens. blah. Or I'm um, alive, so this is yeah. what happens. No. It's not Sorry. the case at all. The world owes you nothing. And whatever you get out from it is probably a good chunk of what you put into it. But yeah, I don't know. I my this is the thing. My biggest fear is that they know that if society was more equal, that it would just collapse. Although saying that, there are studies that have shown that societies with more equality between the rich and the poor, like a, a less of a disparity yeah. between the, their earnings, 
show greater levels of happiness overall, greater yeah. levels of satisfaction overall, lower levels of crime. And stress. Yeah. That means all, the kind of, all the kind of, you know, you know moral failings of, of those in society who, who you know... The thing is, it's like the 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 rich point to the poor and go, oh look at them, they you know they they have kids and they the what was it? They, oh, just split um, up and just don't have your coffee in the morning. Yeah, and and what was it? Don't don't, don't go to the don't, gym. Don't have avocado toast. That's it. And then you'd be able to afford be able to, to buy a house. Of, yeah, no. Fuck me. Not only not only I didn't realise I was eating that much avocado toast. Yeah, not only that, but you know, a that doesn't work because no. you can't save that much money. And B, why should people have to give up everything they enjoy just to be able to Afford, own a house? Yeah. You know, I mean, we'll we'll never own a house. We'll, we'll be renting no. until after I'm dead, I expect. But it's, it is what it is. But yeah, my, my new fear is is that, you know, look at things like MKUltra. They've looked into how to control people. And it obviously still doesn't work because people do what they like. Do they? Well, yeah, that's a good, dun, dun, good dun. question, isn't it? Yeah, got to keep us on our toes. But it's like, what, what if they figured out that this is the best way of stopping humans from going extinct is to have this big disparity? Because then it gives people challenges and something to strive for. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying maybe. Anyway, that was Universe Twenty Five. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that. I remember you mentioning Universe Twenty Five. In my I, head, I, I think I probably kept quiet because I knew I was going to use it. You didn't tell me anything to do with it. You just said no. universe, and I didn't remember to look it up. Not that I was going to anyway, because I like a surprise. Yeah, but Mad Max style mice. Mad, yeah, basically, basically. yeah, pretty Love much, it. yeah. Um, so terrifying. Let us know what you think. Get in touch. We are mostly on Instagram, which is Instagram.com slash stories of strangeness. You could shoot us a tweet. We are. I won't see it. I think we're at do. so strange pod. I'll see it. Yeah, if you tweet um, we're us. on Facebook as we're well. On Facebook. We've got a couple of groups on there, so just look up uh, Stories of Strangeness on group Facebook. And a group and a page, you can post on either, we'll, we'll see it. But let us know what you think. Was was Jeff an actual mongoose? Was Jeff a disembodied spirit or trickster entity of some kind? Or was it just the dad or the daughter doing stuff to amuse the other? What do you think? Also, what do you think about Universe 25? You know, there are enough resources in the world that if we spread them out evenly, everybody That's would have their needs catered to. What would also, happen? Okay, so... Oh, God, here the, we go. The areas I was that, rounding up, but no, no please, no, chime in again. No, go for it. I meant to say before. Okay, <laughs> so it just makes you think, if there's... And they say there's enough, enough, like, to make food for, what was it, 10... Billion. Billion, and yeah. there's only... About eight at the moment, eight billion. I think. That's two billion worth of food yeah. that's either wasted or eaten by someone else. Yeah. Oh, there is. You've, have you heard of the... So for every person that's starving, there's somebody who's eating their share of food. Have you heard of the American cheese caves? What? Yes. The Tell American me. cheese caves. It's a real thing where America produces so much cheese. Yeah, but it's in squirty cans because that's not real no. cheese. It's actual cheese. What, whole wheel of cheese? Although they're not allowed to eat unpasteurised cheese because... I don't know. They're not allowed for some and reason. And also it's Kinder Eggs. The can't eat Kinder Eggs Yeah, either. can't eat Kinder Eggs. I feel sorry mm. for you guys. That's that's terrible. Kinder Eggs are... Well, actually, no. The chocolate's crap. But the, Oh, no. I used to like Kinder Egg chocolate. Oh, you no, get that, like the weird milk layer It's that well. really cheap chocolate. No, it's not. It is. It is. It's not. I'm telling you. It's not. It is. You, you honestly think they used high-quality Belgian chocolate in Kinder Eggs? Are you off They're your called gourd? Kinder, so they come from Germany or somewhere around there. It's going to be German... Yeah, style yeah. chocolate. 
produced in, I don't know, some place in the middle of Iowa or something. I don't know. Anyway. King jokes don't come from Iowa. What are you talking about? <laughs> you don't know that. I'm looking it up now. You are not. No, I'm not. Okay. So, Oops. cheese caves. Yeah. So there are literal caves filled to the brim with cheese that the Americans don't have enough. They're, they've got this surplus of cheese. Look are it you up. Kidding? No, look oh it my up. God. Look it up. But, but they don't even eat proper cheese. It's all plastic or in no. A can. They've got loads of different types, and mm. it's not. It's not just the gouda. <laughs> it's, it's just. Gouda. It's just, a, it's just a cave filled with like craft single slices, <laughs> like floor to ceiling. It's like stalagmites and stalactites, <laughs> <laughs> where the cans have exploded, and it's just yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah, the the American cheese caves, and if you combine that with the European butter mountain. You've just got this dairy. Butter mountain. Have you not? You must have heard about the EU butter mountain. Oh, there was literally a mountain. Are, of, no, look it up. Making this no, shit up. Absolutely not. Look it up. Look okay, it up. whatever country you're in, what do you have a surplus of? We're gonna have like what the? I don't. I can't even. I can't even. We've got a gravy river. Yeah. A lake of gravy or something. Yeah. With like dumplings floating in it or something. Idiots. We've got a surplus of idiots. <laughs> surplus of idiots. Idiots. See, Idiots, as I, far as the eye can see. I have been known to get quite frustrated with the human population, really and them. and yeah, on occasion. And I've I've Are said you... before, I don't know why we can't just round them all up and put them on an island somewhere. And then part of me went, it's "That's a... here." Yeah, That's, someone's we already are an said island that. somewhere. With all... Put them all <laughs> oh, on an island. Dear. Yeah, we're oh, already dear. here. Yeah, with the with the idiots. Yeah. So therefore, I am Hi. I am one of the idiots. Exactly. It's fine. Gosh. Yeah. So hit us up with your theories. We'd love to hear what you think. Uh, yeah, this is like the unofficial start of season three. Did I say that already? No, I we can't didn't remember. say that at all. So this is the unofficial start of season three. We're basically taking the break at the as the break between season two and three. So this is season three. Welcome. It's still Hello. episode forty six. It's Are obviously still, still completely not, randomly. Not, I don't know. Organized. It's too or, hot. It's got I up think to organized might already. be a, a strong word. Is it? It's twenty eight. What Shush. are you whining about? Anyway, hottest day of the year, we're back. It's good to see you, except we can't see you. Or hear you. Yeah. I can just hear you. We're like. just yelling into the void, basically. <laughs> no change there, then. Nope. I think I need a cuppa. Okay. No. Don't yeah. I need, a, I need a lay down. Yeah, a boiling hot drink. That's what you yes, need today. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Boop. And don't, don't, don't tweet at us or email us with the hot water cools down faster than cold. It's fine. We understand. But when you're drinking it, I don't know. I feel sweaty after a cup of tea sometimes. <laughs> I don't know if I should. <laughs> you have look sweaty that. after yeah, a yeah. cup of tea sometimes, love. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think that's it for now. This is going to be a nightmare to edit, <laughs> as always. But yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. As always, apologies, but you know, you tuned in. Some of the blame rests on your shoulders. <laughs> Just say goodbye, love. Okay, goodbye, love. Love you. Bye.